I want to say Merry Christmas to everybody, all of you that are gathered here and those of you that are watching online. And um, if you have been um, part of our worship experience at Prairie Bible for the last um, few weeks, you'll know that we've been in a sermon series entitled Christmas Curveballs. And all this talk about curveballs got me thinking this week about that curveball that we all went through last summer, which was the derecho. That's right. It surprised me. Lisa and I were walk, driving through town uh, yesterday because uh, we go for donuts at Donut Land, best donuts ever, <laughs> almost every Saturday. We were driving through um, some of those back neighborhoods as we were uh, leaving Donut Land yesterday, and I don't know if you've noticed, but there are still neighborhoods that still have debris piled on the sides of the road. Is any of your neighborhoods that way? There's still a lot of neighborhoods like that in, in um, Cedar Rapids. And I still even, um, I get weekly updates from people like Ron and Pat about their construction zone, which is their home. And they're not the only ones because just now the contractors are getting into their house to fix the, the uh, brokenness that occurred during the storm. And shoot, the fact of the matter is you can look all over, still all over the city, dotting the landscape of Cedar Rapids. You'll find blue tarps on roofs everywhere, right? Marking the fact that those roofs that aren't going to get fixed till next spring, almost a year later, Right? It was a curveball. But if you've been, if you've been um, again, listening to um, the theme of this Christmas season, um, you're aware that um, curveballs, to one degree or another, are just a part of everyday life. Um, some are more um, disruptive than others, I will give you that, but curveballs are a part of life. Well, this morning as we continue in our um, look at the curveballs curve of Christmas, we're going to take a look at a couple of curveballs that happened in the nativity story that in the big scheme of things, as compared to the other curveballs that they dealt with, these seem rather inconsequential. But listen to what I'm saying. Even though they may not have the same consequences as some of the others that we've looked at um, this Advent season, it doesn't mean they're not important. And I'll explain to you what I mean as we go along. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 2. Um, you should figure this because we've been in cha- Luke chapter 2 all Christmas season. You should know where that's at. Uh, as you're looking that up, let me give you just um, a little bit of a, of a refresher course of some of the curveballs that we have discovered in the nativity story so far. All right? The first curveball, you may recall, was a heavenly visitation. It was when the the angel Gabriel comes to uh, Mary. Actually, he didn't come just to Mary. If you look in in the the whole story in both Matthew and in Luke, you'll discover that he also came to Joseph. But they had this, this heavenly visitation from an angel named Gabriel. But it was the message that the angel gave that was the real showstopper, right? The the message was, uh, Mary, you're going to have a baby, and I know you're a virgin, but yes, you're going to have a baby, and you're going to call his name Jesus. And by the way, you need to also know a little piece of the puzzle that's kind of important. This baby you're going to have is the very Son of God, right? He is the Messiah. Now, That sounds like awesome stuff to us, and it is, but I'm telling you right now, that was a curveball that had the potential to not only derail um, Joseph and Mary's 
wedding, their marriage, but it literally had the potential to destroy Mary's life. But those two were able to navigate this curveball um, for this reason, I believe. They were able to navigate it and get through it, all the potential pitfalls of it, because both of them chose, listen to me now, because this is very important, they chose to fix their eyes on God rather than their circumstance. I would suggest you remember that as you deal with your own curveballs. I suggest that you remember that if you really want, if you want to get through them, fix your eyes on God rather than what you're going through, and you'll get through it. Second curveball was when a very pregnant Mary um, is informed that she has to take a trip to a not-so-exotic place. It wasn't exotic to her. Uh, and um, the reason, and it was in her third trimester of her pregnancy, right? And the reason why uh, was because of human greed, in my opinion. That was the only reason, at least that was the only reason that they were aware of. What they didn't know, at least at the time, was this. That this, the reason for this trip at a very delicate time in Mary's life was actually to fulfill a prophecy about that baby that she was carrying in her womb, right? Because we know from last week that it was prophesied of old that the Messiah, the baby that she was carrying, had to be born in Bethlehem. For out of you, little town of Bethlehem, will come a great leader who have been foretold of from the ancient of times. Out of you will come the Messiah. They didn't know that. God did, but they didn't. You ought to remember that too, by the way. Oftentimes when you are facing, when you find yourself in the midst of life's curveballs, you don't see everything. God does. So the best thing you can do when you find yourself in the midst of life's curveballs and you, don't, you can't see what purpose they serve or or what's going on, the best thing you can do is offer those curveballs up to God and trust that God gets it even when you don't because they have a purpose. Well, that brings us to where we're at in the story today. You've all, you know this story. You don't even need to look it up in your Bible, but I'm glad you brought your Bibles. It says in Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, you know this a part of the story like you know the back of your hand. It says that uh, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to give birth to her child, right? And when she did, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Does your Bible say swaddling clothes? I don't. That's the way I learned it. Didn't even go to church and I knew that story. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger. We love that part of the story, don't we? It was a curveball. Actually, there were two curveballs in that part of the story that we don't even pay attention to anymore because it has become such a traditional, expected part of the story for us. It was not expected for them. They, first of all, they had to take a trip that they didn't want to take to a place that they didn't really want to go for a reason that they weren't excited about at all. And when they get to Bethlehem, they find out all the motels are full. 
At that particular point, if they were like me, and like you too, I'm guessing, they were probably thinking, if it wasn't for bad luck, I have no, ba- I have no luck at all. You ever thought that? And it came time while they were in Bethlehem for Mary to give birth to her child. And when she did, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger for there was no room for them in the year. In the motels were full. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. That was the first curveball. You don't see it as a curveball because it's such a familiar story, but it was to them. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have... Have any of you ever said that to yourselves? Or is it just me? I'm a natural pessimist. People don't believe that, but it's true. One for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. There was another curveball that I want you to be aware of, though. And again, you know it, but you don't see it as such. And you don't have to be particularly intuitive to, to glean from in between the lines what the curveball was. Even though it doesn't say in this passage, this conversation, this experience had to have occurred, what I'm about to tell you. Something unexpected. Somebody must have noticed what they were going through. That they were a young couple, come in from out of town, very pregnant, right? And the motels were full. Somebody, out of a sense of compassion, must have saw what was going on. And the conversation probably went something like this. Say, um, I know it's not much, um, but you're more than welcome to stay in the the barn out yonder. (laughs) I don't know if they said that, but... You're more than welcome to, to stay in the barn out back You have to share it with the animals. But it's warm and it's dry and you'll be safe if you're interested. I can guarantee you never once when Mary was dreaming about what it was going to be like when her baby was born, never once did she imagine that her baby was going to be born in a barn. And I can guarantee you that if she had imagined that her baby was going to be born in a barn, she wasn't having fond feelings about the thought of her baby being born in a barn. Would you? Of course not. Unless you didn't have any other choice. And all of a sudden, what you would never have perceived as a blessing before is actually a blessing. After the derecho. You remember what happened after the derecho? I don't know if all all of you were like us, but we were without electricity for at least a week, right, Lise? How about any of the rest of you? Quite a while. Yeah. Um, Prior to my electricity going out, by the way, we had somebody out in our neighborhood hit a, a electric pole this last Friday, was it? And our electricity went out again, and I was having like PTSD. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> anyway, I knew back before that happened how dependent I was on, on electricity, um, 
but I really didn't know. You know what I mean? And then when, about a week later, when the electricity came back on, it was like Christmas, right? I, I mean, I thought the ability to, to plug in my cell phone was like, ah! Never once before that did I ever, I never even gave, the, gave it a thought before. You know what I'm saying, right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, we have a tendency, and I'm as guilty of this as, as any of the rest of you, we have a tendency when these, these curveballs are thrown at us, we, we have a tendency to, to always think that they're bad. And maybe in some respects they are. But might I suggest to you that sometimes, sometimes they can cause us to remember and to appreciate the, the simple blessings of life. Whereas without them, we may never even give them a, a second thought. I think Mary and Joseph were thrilled that there was a barn that their baby could be born in. My prayer for us, because as I mentioned earlier, curveballs are a part of life, folks. Some, as I said, are more disruptive than others, but curveballs are a part of life. And if we can only learn to appreciate and understand that even in the midst of them, there are often things to be thankful for. It changes everything. So this Christmas season, what I'm praying for you is that what I'm praying for all of us is that we, would, um, that we would take time to remember or to count our blessings. Especially the simple blessings that we all take for granted most of the time. Some of the best blessings that we may never even stop to consider if it wasn't for those curveballs. One of the greatest curveballs, well, I shouldn't say it that way. Let me say it this way. Sometimes the most disruptive curveballs can lead to the most eternal blessings. And here, listen to what I'm saying. Ultimately, the simplest and most profound blessing is to accept Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior. And sometimes people so take for granted that opportunity that they never take advantage of it. And what I want you to consider is when you're experiencing your various curveballs in life, whatever they may be, no matter how disruptive they may be, consider that 
God may use them to bring you or someone you love into relationship with Him. And it wouldn't have happened had it not been for your curveball. Maybe today is the day. Maybe some of you here that are here today have never um, taken time to consider the greatest blessing of all, which is the fact that Jesus loves you. And that you have the opportunity to become part of God's family simply by accepting the invitation. If you've never done that before, maybe today is the day. The band's going to be coming up and leading us in our final song. And as we try to do it most every week, I'm going to be standing right over there by the prayer room. And if you have never accepted Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior, you've never um, accepted that simple, authentic blessing, I would be privileged to pray that prayer with you today. And if there's other things that, that you need prayer for or that you'd like me to pray with you for, it doesn't matter what it is. I count it as my blessing to get to pray with you. So, as many of you are well aware, we live kind of in the heart of Iowa, and there aren't a whole ton of mountains around here. Uh, it's uh, pretty flat. I've had people visit from, um, I've got mo- much of my family's from the southeast, like northern Georgia, and it's pretty mountainous there. It's like in the Piedmont, you know, and they've come to visit and they said, man, like, it's so flat up here. Like, there's, no, like, there's nothing to see, which I disagree. There's plenty to see up here if you're just looking hard enough. Um, but anyway, as we go to sing our next song, which says, go tell it on the mountain, what it's really saying is, go wherever you are. Go out from wherever you are and proclaim the gospel. Gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has been born, and that's what we're celebrating this morning and what we will be celebrating on Christmas I'm going to ask the choir, choir, are you ready to come up one more time and join us in a song? If you're ready and if you're able, and you guys sounded so awesome that I just can't wait to hear you all again. So would you please come up and join us? All right. Are we ready?
please bow your heads and pray with me. Lord Jesus, it is our heart's desire to go out into the world and to preach the gospel to all the nations, the gospel which is the good news that Jesus Christ is born. And because of that fact, we have a hope and we have a future. We have such wonderful news to bring. And we pray that you would encourage and strengthen us to take it to the world. We pray and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you could all stay for just a second, I've got Courtney. She would like to share something with you all. Good morning, everyone. Um, this has been on my heart for a long time, and uh, I just I brought it today, and I wanted to share it. And then after Pastor Craig's sermon, I'm like, okay, I have to share this. Um, with all the curveballs in our world and the derecho and all the damage that I'm sure most of you had, um, my mother-in-law and my daughter uh, brought joy to that. When the derecho wind stopped blowing and the damage caused a frown, this tree branch star rose, which was made with love by my tiny hands, forever creating a smile. Love, Merit. These are the, some of the branches that were taken from our home. Um, it's just a wonderful reminder and simple of just the joys. So no matter what you're going through in your life, you just need to see the simplicity. And um, there is joy in the little things. So. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much, Courtney. And I don't think I could say anything on top of that besides have a great week and have a Merry Christmas. Pour it right out of the wall.